Hey, everybody. Special episode number 20 today. It's just Maurice and I. Yeah, that it is. Just the two of us. And Russ here is uh, going to ask a couple of questions um, about uh, what is the heck it is that I'm doing. <laughs> My and business. stick around for the end where I ask the tough question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, somehow math comes up. Yeah. yeah. And uh, how that would be a good idea to do. And, There's uh, math and army and Pokemon all in this episode. <laughs> yeah, I can add to that. That's it. <laughs> Stay tuned. All right, here we go. Because really, what could go wrong once you press record, right? <laughs> exactly. What could go wrong? So I've got to be very perfect. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Crazy People Doing a Podcast. The Crazy People Podcast today in the hot seat, Maurice Hoffman. It's just Maurice and I today on doing our our every fifth episode show. So you uh, you asked me some questions when we did our last uh, get together, just you and I show. Um, yeah. So today I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Look uh, at that. <laughs> so there we go. Turnabout is fair play, my friend. All's fair in love and podcasting or something. Um, but but anyway. I think we've we've gotten over the last, you know, now more than 20 episodes, or this is episode 20, I guess. Um, we've gotten a, a hint of who Maurice is, right? Uh, oh, yeah. and and kind of what you're doing. But can you fill in the gaps? What is what is it that you're kind of doing these days? What do you what's your how are you how are, what's the average day in Maurice's life look like? Wow, the average day. Well, in my day job. Um, when I'm not having when I'm not having the pleasure of talking with you to whatever <laughs> guests we have on, I um, I'm currently um, founding a company um, in the corporate benefits and perks um, area segment uh, over here in Germany. It's um, an interesting situation to be in founding a company again. And uh, it's HR tech, it's SaaS, and um, yeah, it's interesting. So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm responsible for marketing, sales, and product management, kind of. When you're co-founding, you kind of wear all the hats anyway, right? This is kind of what everybody does. Yeah, yeah. We have four co-founders. Um, two of them are most responsible. Well, one is the CEO. Um, then we have a lady in there. She's responsible for all the service part um and the insurance part and so on the other one is the cto and i am the catch-all <laughs> in a bigger company there's other people that are selling stuff there's other people that are contributing to the bottom line right or the, i guess the top line they're contributing the revenue and stuff um but now you suddenly find yourself in a small company where you own both sales and marketing um so it's your job to bring in the dollars Right. Yeah. <laughs> is that a is is that a scary thing? Is that a challenging thing? What is that to you? It's um it's definitely it's different, right? Because you cannot look around anymore or any minute that you're not doing th things to create new leads, to convert leads into customers, it's not being done. And that is yeah, that is, especially if you have <laughs> a bigger team around you, if you have more employees that essentially live off the revenue that you eventually create or are supposed to create, that is an extra set of pressure. I mean, it's easy if everything works well, but again, I joined this particular company before we split 
the two companies up and by the time mm -hmm. um, we are posting this is official um, that wasn't something they didn't have a sales process yet they had nothing that even resembled sales uh, customers kind of showed up at the doorsteps and like hey if you would like to do whatever it is that you offer <laughs> and um, but for the scaling that we are looking for and for the growth that we are looking for, it's uh, we have to develop a process from the very beginning of how do we talk about what it is that we do? And first of all, what are we doing, right? <laughs> what is, what yeah. is the product, right? Is the product the software? Is the product software and services? Is the service the actual product and the software is just supporting? Or what is going on there? And then... Um, what of all of this that you're doing is actually something that um, the customer needs, right? Yeah. So you can develop your software and create your own services and whatever, but when I joined this particular company, um, they were more mainly selling insurances and they wanted to sell mm -hmm. other benefits, um, services uh, like uh, lunch allowance, mobility allowances, and that kind of stuff. Uh, but they didn't have a product like yet. They didn't have partners. They didn't have a, an idea how to sell this. Yeah. Uh, they didn't know how to talk to customers, who to talk to, or how to market this. And um, that was a challenge. <laughs> it still is a challenge to be yeah, yeah. yeah, so. yeah. I think with the, with the startups I work with, um, that's one of the biggest shocks to to some people's systems is that as they start up a company, they they know how to do the product or they know how to do the software development or they know how to do the something, right? And then they go, all right, we're going to sell this. And then you go, how are you going to sell it? And who are you going to sell it to? And why are they going to buy it? And what happens when the three people who really want your product have already bought it? And then you got to go find the fourth person, right? How do you how do you do all those things? And it's, that can be a shock to the system. So it's it's kind of fun uh, from my standpoint, watching you learn that stuff. But how, how are you working through that? It's, it's actually that? worse, right? What yeah. if the companies that are already there have nothing to do with the companies that you actually should talk to? Yeah, yeah. What right? if they're not your best customers, right? So Yeah, because oh, because whatever history the, 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 the former company or the, the old company had with those customers, doesn't really translate to anything right, right. that you're doing today. And um, so you don't have anything to fall back on. And that is that is interesting. But then you, you asked, how did I solve this? Or how am I about to solve this? Yeah, how are you uh, How are you thinking of that problem, right? How are you thinking about that? That figuring out the way you're going while you're going, you, you know, you're already on the road, right? Yeah. Um, the first thing I did, even before joining, I had like a, a gray zone couple of months of um, still working for the old company, not yet really working for the new company where I did mystery shopping. Mm -hmm. I called competitors and pretended to be a potential customer and just listened to what they were saying, um, how they were pushing um, the product, what kind of questions they were asking and uh, how they proceeded with selling all of this. And at mm -hmm. that time, I, I, um, I wasn't even in a sales world yet. I was pure marketing and customer success. So selling wasn't even in my vision yet, right? There was, there was mm -hmm. somebody that was supposed to do sales. And I think we talked about this in one of our earlier <laughs> episodes. Mm -hmm. 
And I was just supposed to be the marketing guy. And I was still, I needed to learn the product. And um, so I did the mystery shopping. That was very insightful. And then because we ran some kind of a promotion, I did um, support calls. So we have annual calls where we call, um, we proactively schedule calls with um, employees that have some of our services and ask them how they are feeling, how happy they are with the product, what moves them, what is concerning them, worrying them at that point Mm -hmm. and so on. And there I had, about two months, I had 600 some calls like that. And then you learn what your product is. <laughs> so that's that's how I got started, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's that that kind of thing is invaluable, right? Is to, to get out there, just talk to the people who are using the thing or the people who should be using the thing, you know, and, and they have it, but they don't really know about it or whatever it is, right? You try to start to connect with them. Um, so how has that helped you then figure out who the next best customer is going to be? Well, I, at that point, I still wasn't worried about that. Uh, at that point, I was <laughs> yeah. more worried about how we talked about who we are, right? Mm. Before I knew what the customer was, I, after doing hundreds of calls, mystery shopping, whatever, I figured out what the existing, because it, it is a B2B2C model where mm-hmm. we sell to companies, but really we are selling to their employees. Those are the customers. Sure. Um, where I slowly started to understand uh, what it is that they actually appreciate about us, um, what they liked about us, what they used of us, right? That at that time, and this is now two years ago, um, they didn't care about the software at all. They didn't care that we talked about a platform or marketplace or what have you. They just wanted to have our services and they liked our team. They liked the, the high level quantity and quality mm-hmm. of the services and consulting and guidance and simple support that they got out of the team that they were so knowledgeable and so on. And so I, the first thing I did is I um, created a new website. I struck out all the words. I put a couple of words on the do not use list and platform was one of it. Marketplace was another and app and software <laughs> and all of that. Yeah. I went out of the window and we talked about the things that actually land with the, uh, with the employees mm-hmm. that were the ultimate customers for us. And much like you and your business is mm-hmm. once you know the C to, your, to the B of your customers, you better know how to sell to the B. Because now you know what really worries them because you heard it firsthand from the same source that those bees are getting their uh, input from, right? And uh, that made all the difference to at least get me started. Right? Yeah, now that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so then as you have all this information, I've got to think that one of the things that is then helpful is educating those bees about their seas. Right. And, and what, what they want. Um, so, so how do you go about that? And, and where did you learn that? How did you, you know, come to that sort of habit? Now we have to go back to my army days. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I was, uh, as I think that has come up before, I was um, part of the PSYOPs, uh, the German PSYOPs, and uh, actually part of the NATO forces over in Bosnia. 
and I think that we always did there is ask the people that we were serving eventually, right? The B2B mm -hmm. to C kind of situation, we were there to support the local governments, but really we were there for the population kind of, right? So you have the same kind of construct there. Okay. And um, we talked to that population, to all groups of them every day. Um, that's all we did, right? Um, we handed out advice, but we also collected a ton of information. And um, especially those in nine months in Bosnia, all in, um, that is where you write a report one day. I remember when we got there very freshly, um, that was in 96. There was still no streetlight in Sarajevo at that time. We went into the yeah. city. We didn't see the city. And the next day we went out and we looked like turtles. Right, had the, planet, <laughs> the radios yeah. with uh, two feet of um, antenna on there, <laughs> big protection on, and everything. And then those radios would make sounds every time they would the, the radio would make sounds. People backed off us a good three, four, five, six feet, right? Mm -hmm. And then we were like, "Yo, you don't need to be scared of us, whatever." And then one of the guys, um, and and. There's a lot of people that went to Germany, went back to Bosnia. So there was a lot of people that actually spoke German at the time. They told us, we're not scared of you. You're scared of us. How should we trust you if you don't trust us? Mm -hmm. And I remember writing that into a report and I was barely had my first stripe, right? I was barely a soldier um, six months in and I wrote a report. And the next day I had to show up at German command I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> and then I had some, some, I think a colonel asked me all those questions of what I wrote down. And um, it was funny. The next day, we had helmets with us. No more protection. No more Teflar 25 kilos, not pounds, kilos of stuff, no more uh, rifles and no more big radios. So we had one person that still looked like that, mm -hmm. but the three others, because we were in cars of teams of four, the three others uh, were just looking like normal people in a uniform um, and just started to talk to people. And uh, we went to schools and we went to local authorities and we just talk to people like what is your situation what are you worrying about and so on and that worked right mm -hmm. also i experienced it not working because we handed out one one magazine in the serbian part and that the headline and we didn't because it was in Kyrillic, right we mm -hmm. didn't know what it said um we that we were handing out that magazine but somebody told us <laughs> They uh, essentially it said something like, hey, look what the Muslim and the Croatian people are getting, what you are not getting because you're not falling, you're not falling in line. And somebody who was not too mad to scream at us angrily, when I asked him, hey, what are you so mad about? Right? They translated <laughs> it for us. And I was like, ooh, that's not good. And then to just make a point. He took a big old lighter out, lit up the, the magazine and threw it after us. And we're like, I guess you're not happy with that situation, right? Yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, then, then you kind of learn to um, touch base with your target audience and um, understand them better because that was terrible, right? Because once one, one person starts in such a situation, you quickly have a mob situation where there's a lot of magazines and other stuff that burns flying in your way. So yeah, didn't look that brave today. <laughs> <laughs> That's a that's a first I think for the podcast the soldier to entrepreneur story. But <laughs> well, it might be a but that that created a red line that I never left. Right? Yeah. And, you know it uh, at uh, our form my former your current company. I pleaded for more research every time. Mm -hmm. I I did some research. Right? We did some really big research actually, mm -hmm. and I, I always wanted more because. The opinion, not just my opinion, but the common opinion was that A, our customers know exactly what their users are, who they are, mm -hmm. what they want, what they're looking for, and, and so on. And then talking to the users themselves just adds to the overall story, right? Um, and yeah, I never left that path. I always stayed close to the audience because call me lazy, but I'm thinking like, why should I think so hard when I have the people right in front of me that can tell me what I'm supposed to do? Yes, yeah, I don't have I don't have to come up with a new idea. They will tell me the idea, and then I just have to form it out. So. Yeah, I take the first hundred the first hundred ideas, and then if they run out of it, I maybe come up with one or two. But let's <laughs> stick with the first hundred too, right? Yeah. Well, I see. I I always wonder about why certain things happen. So, for example. Um, every now and then I look at car commercials for no real specific reason, but they just sort of catch my eye for a while. And I'm like, okay, especially as like new model year. Right. And so there's always the luxury car driving through the city at night and all the roads are wet and it's like dark and like it's shiny lights and stuff around. And then there's the, the truck or the Jeep kind of thing that's going up a trail in the mountains or across the desert. And it's like, you could just skip 10 years in the future and you'll have these exact same ads when the new truck or the new car or the new something comes out. And so I, I wonder whether some people are just, they do it because they've always done it. It's like, well, we, we run this kind of ad because we've always run this kind of ad or we sell this way because we've always sold this way or this is what we do. Um, or whether there's actually some meaning behind there. I think from a research perspective, it could be some of it could be laziness, but it also could be that everybody involved is lying about what they actually do with those cars, right? So that it just transport a kind of an archetype where everybody's doing it, has been doing it for so long that nobody kind of says, hey, we're not doing this anymore, right? The pickups, we use them in cities now. You see them in Manhattan, you see them in downtown LA, you see them everywhere. They are great, they are really plush, they're not rough, rugged, anything. And uh, I actually don't wanna go off-road off with it because then it really gets dirty and the 20 inch rims or 22 inch rims, yeah. um, they get scratched. So yeah, let's not do that, right? <laughs> um, but the archetype, the kind of profile that everybody wants to either from a company side speak to or the driver side wants to be is the go anywhere, do anything kind of archetype, right? The, the rough rider, the outlaw, or not, not, 
not outlaw, but the I can do whatever and I'm my own person mm -hmm. type archetype, right? Um, but in reality, barely anybody's doing that anymore. It might be in rural anywhere that those people still exist. But if you just look around, like how many trucks are being sold, I don't think there's enough population in rural America or Germany. You see them in Germany now too, right? Where you see the yeah. F-150s, the Dodgers and whatever. And not only is there not a use case, there's no space for those things. You cannot park them here. Literally, they don't fit the parking pockets. They don't fit the garages and anything. But still, yep. people buy yeah, them. Oh yeah, here here in in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, every F one fifty Super Duty is made in a factory right here in the city, um, and they will tell you that the majority of those vehicles are not sold to people who are going to go drive through the desert or up the side of the mountain. They're sold to cities and towns and counties to do the maintenance around their different parks and golf courses and stuff like that and they can they can haul a bunch of like you can put a tree in the back of it or a bunch of mulch or soil in it and it gets the job done so the the commercial is wow look at it oh we're gonna drive down the beach and the, the reality is oh i'm gonna go plant a tree because it's my job right so. yeah yeah or i'm <laughs> gonna pick up my kids <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean that is more the suv side of the house it's right? true but it's still it's still ridiculous. Um, who needs yeah, a it's, it's still the same thing. Yeah. The that I drove in Bosnia, and I really experienced what that thing can do. And mm -hmm. I mean, used to do, because now with those kind of rims, you would never do that. It's, it wouldn't be possible what we did in actual <laughs> off-road situations there. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting, uh, interesting situation where both the audience and the advertisers slash companies selling that, they still cling, and that's probably the best word for it, cling mm -hmm. to an idea of use case and user that long since has, if not totally gone, but it's been re reduced to maybe 20% of the use case. Yeah, yeah. So so how do you, as, as a guy who's responsible now for advertising and sales and has been doing it in some form or fashion for many, many years. Um, how do you blend that image of the product or service with the actual function of the product or service? And and do the customers tell you that? They tell you kind of the things that I'm aspiring to, or I want to be seen as, and then here's actually, here's the real things that I need, but I want to feel like this or something. How do you get that out of people? Well, you have to, let's stick with Ford, right? Since you brought yeah. up the F-150, they, um, I, I saw an interview with the, with the design head, um, smart guy, um, and he told how they're approaching putting new features into the F-150, especially when the hybrid situation came up and then eventually the full EV one, but let's stick with the hybrid one because they looked at what, they're the actual the guys that are actually using them, not the city and street guys, because they were settled already. They had their plush seats, seat heating, seat cooling, and all that good stuff. Yeah. But the actual guys that went out to projects, building houses, going on mm -hmm. construction, and so on, yeah. and looked at what is their pattern, what are they doing, and how could we help them? That's when I started putting the blocks in the back mm -hmm. and having a big battery. 
um, where you could really work your machines off the truck for the for the entire day because uh, that got rid of the generator. A generator is a loud, noisy thing, and that thing is always on, whether you use the, the tool in that moment or you don't use the tool at that moment. So it actually allowed people to use their, to stay at construction for longer, because you need lighting and everything, and that all that could be powered by a truck. And then they also came up with what kind of plugs do they need? What kind of voltages do they need at the, at the end? And how do you put them there so that the different sizes of plug actually fit? next to each other, right? And I thought that was super amazing that they, while they still did the plush things, the bigger screen and all the, you know, mm -hmm. the tech stuff that's important for the big city cowboys, they still didn't lose touch to the people that actually still use them and made sure that even though it's a new technology, that people forgot about the hybrid part or the EV mm -hmm. part. The EV part is maybe still going on, but all that where people are hesitant about, and because everybody likes to talk, talk about range and whatever, they turn it all around and said, like, okay, forget about the range. I don't care about the range right now. But what we, can we do as a manufacturer of cars of that kind of truck to enable your daily business? And then you tell me what is more important, the limited range, because you told me that you never drive more than 100 miles a day. So does mm -hmm. the main range really matter? Or is it the added functionality where you can leave the flatback in the a, in a, in a back? You don't need to put, you don't need to reserve room for a compressor or a generator anymore because all that is inboard, right? It's it's already there. Wherever you have your truck, it's already there. Make sure you have yeah. your business long enough, just like before. And now you have an extra few hours where you can work because the generator is not outside making all that noise. Right? Yeah, you don't have to unpack everything, repack everything, you just go and work in. Yeah. You have to go where the customer is and you have to understand how they are using it, right? If you If you don't get to that point, really using it, Mm -hmm. um you're never going to get the product that they are and that's the that's where little sidetrack that's where i love when people come to me and say steve jobs didn't ask customers for what they wanted he told them i'm like yeah because all the people around him were pretty smart and had <laughs> years and years of experience and knew exactly what the market needed and then they developed a product just like the F450 hybrid with all the plugs in the back. Nobody asked for power plugs in the back. But the people watching them were like, what, what if we did that? How, what if we provided the power that those construction workers need and, and enable their situation so that they don't need a generator, don't need this, and can work for longer hours? Now, again, nobody told them, asked them for plugs, but everybody was sure was happy having these um, these plugs now. And um, that's why even the hybrids and the EVs for many reasons, but some of them being that they really support the everyday business. And suddenly the EV part is not that important anymore, right? Yeah. And that's what you have to figure out. How do you get to the point where you answer questions that they didn't know they had, but with everything that they did, told you that that is a pain point mm -hmm. they just didn't have the cheat sheet that hopefully you're going to have for them right yeah 
Now that's that's solid advice, I think, for for entrepreneurs is is sort of thinking. You don't have to think. I I, I guess you don't have to think what what is the next decade or what's the next hundred years. Some people do, but not many. You just have to think of what's the what's the thing that all of the things they're doing is kind of pointing to this. If they could just do this one extra step, it's going to make their life better, and they're going to go, oh, oh yes, that's the thing I needed, right? Yeah, and that's and pretty cool. It's really um, to just stay there for a second. It's sometimes mm -hmm. it is really about asking the right questions or frame the question in the right way. Because sometimes it's really too short-sighted. It's really just the next step. But you have to say, okay, what are they really trying to achieve? Mm -hmm. right? Where, when they're using my product or in which context are they using my product and what are they trying to achieve while doing so? Um, and once you ask that question, then you're going to get answers that push you into the right direction. Let's, let's, let's take a turn. Okay. For, for a minute. Um, so we know as an entrepreneur, um, the sort of the conventional wisdom that entrepreneurs are always young people. Um, but you've mentioned before on the podcast, that's not actually true of, of reality, right? The small business tent, uh, starters tend to be in their, you know, late thirties or forties, um, sometime, right? So, um, but, but that also means that we're not as young as we used to be. You know, I have plenty of gray hair to show for it. Um, <laughs> but, but how are you taking care of yourself? How do you, how do you make sure that you've got enough, you know, energy for your demanding new, new company and for your family and everything else too? Wow. That's a big question. Um, how do you ensure that? First of all, it's, uh, and that is actually something Kobe Bryant inspired. Um, it's the, when I work, I work. When I'm at home, I'm at home. Um, meaning when I spend time with my son, I spend time with my son. When I do that with my wife, I spend time with my wife, even though that is technically that can get very nerdy and, 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 and work related <laughs> as well, because we talk a lot about AI, we talk a lot about um, technology and where everything is heading, but, and we exchange whatever is going on in the respective company, um, but that is still quality time spent where yeah. I'm not doing other stuff. And then when I'm at work, I'm at work. Um, and I really try to focus on that. And I'm, I'm doing that for as ever long I can before maybe other products come in. And with other projects, I keep my, my mind fresh because you cannot, you cannot do 60, 70 hours on a single topic, especially if you have to be creative, you have to allow your mind to be creative. And that is not, it's not working if you are sticking with the same topic, at least not for me. And I've seen it for others go the same way. For example, with my team, I told them on a Friday, uh, I have mentoring sessions with them. I have all kinds of calls with them. But we barely talk about the actual job that they're having unless we can put it in a strategic point where I can, where we can make a lesson out yeah. of that, right? Whatever's going on right now. Um, that helps me keeping talents I wouldn't otherwise uh, wouldn't be able to keep and to afford. 
um, but also yeah. helps us to just take a step back and take a different perspective and just keep learning and keep our minds fresh. Because if you're really working 10 hours, 11 hours a day, every day, um, that's not working. And then um, physical <laughs> health and physical fitness is important, even though I'm neg neglecting that quite a bit. And yesterday's um, workout or basketball session that I had uh, showed that very obviously. <laughs> but I'm trying to mix. Um, I'm trying to mix a um, few things. I told you about uh, that. I went out and um, played Pokemon with my son. Pokemon Go with my son. We walked six miles. There you go. I'm now at an age where that is actual workout. <laughs> <laughs> but it was also very much quality time with my son. Mm. I go swimming with him where he has swimming lessons and I just paddle in the water next to him. So I try to combine a few things where I can spend quality time with the people mm. around me, with my family, while also doing other stuff that is helping me, right? To yeah, be more performant in whatever situation I'm in. Yeah, that's good stuff. You've inspired me to go and take a walk with my wife, get some exercise and some quality time. Pokemon Go, <laughs> tell you. We'll play Pokemon <laughs> Go together. There you go. Yes. <laughs> my affiliate link is... <laughs> <laughs> Try www.and... No, yeah. uh, that's awesome, though. Um, one, one final question. Uh, and I'll, I'll ask one of the questions that you like to ask people, right? If you, if you zoom back to your psyops days and all of a sudden Maurice from today appears next to Maurice from army days, um, what are the two or three things you'd tell him to, to do or to think or to, to you know, understand? Actually, the psyop days are, I would start actually about 10 years earlier. Okay, go. Yeah. So then I was about 10 and I would tell 10 year old Maurice, hey, math is great. Just <laughs> not for the reason your whatever teacher you have at that time uh, tells you, but math is the foundation for everything else that's going on and education is for that matter. But if you look at today's situation, meaning 2023, mm -hmm. um, I think we are at a situation or at a point where people who can do math and with math comes all the programming, comes all the understanding of AI or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's much like in the Middle Ages uh, over here in Europe before there was in the US, mm -hmm. um, where there was a two-class system of people that could read and the people that couldn't read. And I think mm -hmm. we are heading for the same situation now. But the basics for that is a sound understanding of math and why math and the um the the stem sciences in general why it's so important for everything else that's going on in life right math is at the root of everything and i wished i would have had an, an interest in math at that mm -hmm. time um to a degree where i um, i'm forcing myself to do that now <laughs> um and languages too right uh, language is really important because it enables you to talk to people from everywhere in the world um mm -hmm. I would have loved to learn a few more languages. Maybe I have would have opted to for Spanish versus French. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, it's um, those are the two things. Just to 
because I really sucked at school. My school was terrible. Um, my grades were bad. I was bored. I never did anything. I never did homework until just before my graduation from high school. I just talked my way through it. That might surprise you. I talked my <laughs> way through it and kind of made it up. Can't imagine that. <laughs> I picked something up there and here and there and I formed it new and came up with a story. And that got me quite far, but only so far. And mm -hmm. um, I would have loved to be able to learn more, and know how much fun it is to learn more and to make that a habit, right? Make learning and discovering things a habit at a very young age um, to really empower whatever life comes at you after. So that would be the message that math is fun, right? We didn't have big things, right? <laughs> and all this, being a nerd wasn't cool yet. And yeah. uh, learning wasn't cool also, right? But yeah, so that was probably something I would have tried to do. But then again, I was roughly 13, 14 when I A started, started dancing and B started my first bicycle repair and sales thingy mm -hmm. and that really got me into everything else that followed so i don't know what kind of dude i would have been if i did the math <laughs> back then right so everything that happened made me to the person that i am now and i'm okay with who i am now so yeah i think i think that's that's, that's tremendously healthy pretty question right <laughs> yeah no, not but to that's... worry so much probably it's the best of all of it because yeah. i was so worried about everything right and it really yeah. doesn't matter and and once again nobody has come up with the idea of hey buy this apple stock and it'll be great when you get older right because sure. money's not the most important thing but sure. yeah but that's exactly that's just money right we, yeah. we both have situations and points and whatever where we would have traded all the money to just be there and maybe tell a person don't be there, don't go there, wait a mm -hmm. second, go to a doctor or do whatever, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. And um, so, yeah, money is important. It helps, but it doesn't make you happy. Yeah. Oh. Funny side story. I learned yeah. in Germany um, the threshold salary to make people happy is around 70 to 80,000 euros. Everything on top of that doesn't add to the degree of happiness. I found that amazing, right? So it seems like in Germany, 70, 80 grand is enough to achieve peak happiness where you just make enough money not to be worrying about stuff, but also not so much money that again, you start worrying about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> lifestyle and whatever, the extra expenses that come with, a, with an increased level of lifestyle is... Um, it's also very much it's a lot of pressure yeah i've i've always thought that uh having enough money to do the things you want to do and not have to worry about where the next meal is going to come from is probably that's the right level of income to shoot for and i know people that that keep score by their income or keep score by their net worth and compare themselves to other people and it's like you've you just missed so much fun stuff around you because you're worried about comparing yourself to other people and, and whatever you know once, once you have enough you're okay yeah. 
Yeah, living in New York helps because whatever you think you are, and around the corner is somebody who is 10 times more than whatever yeah. that thing was. Whatever you want, smarter, better, faster, better looking, Taller, richer, whatever, smaller. cooler. Yeah, anything. Whatever the adjective is. <laughs> right around the corner. <laughs> yeah, and probably you will see them very quickly. So, yeah. But no, this has been a lot of fun, Maurice. I, I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, pulling back the curtain a little bit and, and introducing yourself to our uh, our tens of listeners. Tens of listeners, all of them. Yeah, it's 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 fun. I mean, uh, talking about your oneself is a bit weird, but sharing, <laughs> uh, sharing, and really digging in. And you know, I have a little bit of nutty professor in me, so um, yeah. I like to go deep into the research sciences. So yeah, that was fun. Thank you so much. Good stuff, now. My pleasure, brother. Thank you. All right, and now go out and buy these t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> the affiliate link is <laughs> the affiliate link is it's actually in the Twitter. It's actually um, down in the description where you can find the great t-shirts. And uh, go like, share, and subscribe. Or what do all the YouTubers say? I don't know. I forgot. Ooh. All those things. All those things. Do all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for watching. And listening.